Have you ever felt like you're not really in control of the information you're consuming? Like, have you ever gotten that feeling that the algorithm on your apps is showing you stuff you don't care about? Or have you ever thought, maybe I've watched too much news and I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling negative because of this? And that's really what I want to talk about today is our information diet. Welcome to Redeeming Productivity. This is the show that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. You know, in the same way that what you put into your body changes your physical appearance, your health, how you feel. If you ate only candy, you would not feel very well and you would get pretty hefty. In the same way, if you don't curate your information diet, that is to say the things that you read, the things you watch, the things you listen to, if you're not proactively thinking about what you're consuming into your mind, the results will have a negative effect on you. You will end up being nudged become the sort of person that you didn't set out to be. So that's why we're going to be talking today about how you can curate your information diet. And I'm going to be sharing how I curate my own information diet, how I decide what I'm going to read, listen to, or watch. What are the principles I use to think about that? And even the tools. Um, so we're going to look at this in three sections. First, I'm going to talk about why you should be proactive about curating your own uh, information diet. Second, we're going to talk about strategies for curation. These are some of the um, principles overriding kind of ideas for how to choose what you're going to read or watch or listen to. And third, we're going to look at some of the tools you can use that can actually assist you in making sure the stuff that you are consuming into your brain is actually things that are helpful and things that you want to be uh, putting into your mind. Okay, so first... Why should you even care about this? Why should you curate your information diet? Well, one of the big reasons is you have to kind of recognize the state of the world. And what I mean is our landscape of media has changed. Even in the last 10 years, the, the way that you consume information is so much different than it used to be. And nowadays, our phones, our um, news websites, our social media, all of these different things in our life that we consume information from, they are so much more calculated to captivate our attention, to monetize it, and to keep us on them for as long as possible. Now, we've talked about this before in here, and this is something most people are broadly aware of, that that's how social media, that's how really the internet works. It's primarily ad-driven. And so there are incentives for a news website or social media to keep you on the platform for as long as possible, because the more of your intention you give them, the more they can sell that attention to advertisers. But you have to recognize that there are other consequences to that besides just kind of the icky feeling that, oh, they're just, you know, trying to manipulate me psychologically. There is this real true thing that what you think about changes you. As a man thinketh, so he is. We become what we behold, what we think about, what we meditate on. 
In a positive sense, this is why we talked last season about memorizing scripture. It changes you when you meditate on and think about God's word. It's why we read the Bible. It's why we fill our minds with truth. And conversely, when we don't curate, we're not purposeful about what we put into our minds, that has an effect on our thinking as well and on who we become. And so recognizing that the media landscape out there is calculated to basically give you junk food, that should that should tell us something. That should tell us that we need to be more intentional if we're going to really become the type of people God wants us to be. One of the other consequences of the way that media has been reshaped is that it's now more able to waste our time than it ever was before. And what I mean is that the the social media platforms in particular have really gotten good at the skill of holding you and not letting you leave. There's even this phenomenon on um, social media apps where you, you pull down to refresh, to load a new feed. They built that feature based on what they learned from behaviorism, based on what they learned from casinos. No joke. The developers have talked about this publicly. And the thing is, these developers of these apps, these developers of these social media things know that we have a bias towards novelty, that we want what's new, what's fresh, what's new. And because of that, they've gotten so good at just making it so we obsess over checking to see what's new. And that has this negative consequence of not only what you're filling your mind with, but that you're just wasting time. I feel like TikTok is probably the best example of a mindless uh, way of not curating your information diet. You literally can't even choose what you're watching on TikTok. You just stand there, mouth gaping open, staring at your phone and flipping through these short video clips of people doing silly stuff. It's not proactive. It is not choosing what you fill your mind with. And I do think, friends, that that is a problem. And I think the biggest problem in all of this and why we need to be careful about curating our information diets is because what we consume changes our worldview. You know, your worldview is that lens through which you look at reality. It is what you think the world is, what you think people are generally like, or these people are generally like, or how you feel about your country or how you feel about whatever it is. That is shaped by nudges, not shoves. What I mean is it's the little things in life that change the way we think about the world. And so we can fill our minds with truth from God's word and let that nudge us day by day through the daily habit of being in his word. Let it nudge us towards viewing the world the way God does. Or we can fill our minds mindlessly with things that nudge our thinking towards ways that are not how God thinks of the world, not how it really is. And there's a danger in that. There's a danger in that. And even the um, social media landscape, and not even just that, media in general, has changed in fundamental ways over the last 10 years that many people are not even aware of. They've uh, done this thing where they looked at headlines from the Washington Post and the New York Times, and there's this shift that's happened as print media has died out, well, or is dying, and been replaced by digital media, that these big, huge, well-known, like the New York Times or like the Washington Post, 
they became more and more clickbaity to make up a word, more and more um, writing things to engender clicks, to get you to go to their articles. And now that they had the feedback from analytics from, from the internet and from measuring everything through the web, which they couldn't do before with papers, they slowly optimized for the things that got the most clicks. The things that got the most clicks were often the things that were most outrageous. And it's always been a maxim in the world of journalism that if it bleeds, it leads. That negative news is what gets our attention. I experienced this myself, to be honest with you. I had a, a brief stint working in the world of news and journalism, and I found that it wasn't good for me because of this reason. I found myself looking at the news day after day to write articles and to know what's going on and, and, and share these things with people. When I spent all of my time in the news, I realized my attitude became more negative. I was more fearful and I was more angry. And that's because I was viewing the world through the lens of what these news stories were telling me. And they were mostly geared to make me upset because that's what makes you want to click. And so I'm not saying that the news is bad or that you should avoid the news. I'm just saying that you need to curate that. If you binge only on news, that's not a healthy diet, my friend. That's like eating a bunch of, uh, I don't know, I was going to say salty stuff, but maybe bitter stuff. <laughs> if you only ate bitter stuff, it is not a well-balanced diet is all I'm saying. So all that's to say that why should you curate your information diet? Well, because it's going to shape your worldview. It's going to shape who you become. And so make sure you're putting stuff in your head that is going to make you the type of person that you want to be and that God wants you to be. Second, this is my strategy for curation. Okay, here's how I curate my own information diet. And these are just sort of the principles I use when evaluating different sorts of media that I'm going to plug into the old brain. So we'll talk about um, a couple of principles here. First, optimize for quality over quantity. What I mean by that is it's very easy to get sucked into this notion that you have to stay up to date on everything. Like I said earlier, we do have this psychological bias towards novelty, which means we like to find here something new, something fresh, you know, what's happening, what's new. But often what's newest is not truest. And <laughs> it is also, though there's much of it high in quantity, it's often low in quality. And really in evaluating quantity and quality, what I mean is truth. This is probably a simpler way to put this is optimized for those things that are true and good. And I'll give you a couple ways that you can do that in a moment. But that's, that's the first thing I think about is I want to read and watch less, fewer things, but the things that I do read, watch and listen to, I want them to be really high quality right? So the Bible. Um, but even beyond the Bible, if I'm, if I'm going to watch a movie, I'd love to watch something that's going to inform me, that's going to edify me in some way. If I'm going to read a book, I want to make sure it's a good book, not one that's just fluff that I'm just going to waste my time on because it was on the you know New York Times bestsellers list or something. So that's the first thing of my strategies for curating my information diet. The second one is reject algorithms. And there's really 
no way to avoid algorithms. People talk about this. An algorithm on the internet is what way in which uh, the platform you're using, whether that be Google or YouTube or Facebook, how it suggests things to you that it thinks that you want. Okay, that's that's what I mean when I say algorithm. That's what's how it's generally used when speaking about internet content. And so when I say reject algorithm, I don't think there's a way to totally get away from it. But I don't like algorithmic feeds period. I mentioned TikTok earlier. That's an algorithm. That's it trying to tell you what you should watch with no way to decide for yourself. I hate that. I hate that entirely because it's just going to give me cotton candy. I don't want cotton candy. I want meat. But there's other platforms too that are a little bit more of a mixture of that. Instagram, you remember they used to have a chronological feed. Now it shows you what it thinks you're most likely going to like from the people that you follow. Or if you go on the explore tab, it shows you things there too. I don't like that. That's not helpful. Why? Because I'm not consciously choosing what to look at. And that means I'm letting some computer dictate my worldview rather than me self-consciously deciding what I'm going to consume. That's an awful relationship to have with a computer. I'll tell you right now. And Facebook is is awful as well on this. Um, and I'll actually, I'll save this for a minute. There is one platform that I, a social media platform that I love. And it's because it you can avoid the algorithm on it. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, but try to avoid algorithms. And really, the the big point to that is self-consciously choose what you're going to consume. Okay? Don't let the computer do it for you. Um, the third strategy or principle that I use for curation is find trusted aggregators. Find a trusted aggregator. An aggregator is basically somebody who curates stuff for you. Um, I like to not to use like media companies, right? Like some people say, I watch Fox News or I watch CNN or something like that. I I'm not making a comment on that. I'm just saying you I don't like the company aspect. I like to look for individuals who curate stuff for me. And one of the really cool times we're in right now is the reemergence of the email newsletter. And I'll talk to this again more in a little bit here. But that's one of my favorite ways to find good stuff to read is I follow several different newsletters of people who I kind of, they share my worldview. I like their way of thinking, like the way they evaluate things. And they make me aware of what's interesting, what's important. And they tell me about what articles are going to be helpful for me. I love that. So finding a few people you trust, or even better in real life, people who can recommend, Hey, this is a good book you should read. That's super helpful in the curation process is finding a trusted aggregator. And fourth, and finally, on this uh, strategy part, in my strategy for curation, I have found that becoming a curator for others has this interesting side benefit of helping you to find the best of the best stuff for you to read as well. That sounds confusing. Let me explain it about my own experience with this. I write an email newsletter. And let me just take a second to plug it. It's called Reagan's Roundup. It's a newsletter about the topic of Christianity and personal productivity. I send it out every Thursday. You can get it for free. Just go to newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com or look in the show notes here and you can click on it. That is a roundup, as the name suggests, style newsletter, which means I do put my own content in there. I write articles for it and all that. But the main selling point of it. I think the main benefit of it is that I try to find the best of the best of the best creme de la creme of articles that will be helpful for Christians who want to be more productive. And so I 
sift through a lot of stuff. And you're talking about curating your information diet. I have to aggregate a lot of stuff to sift it down to the four, five, six best of the best things that week. And this is a long process. I'll actually explain to you about how I source some of these things in a minute when I talk about the tools I use for doing this. But by doing that, there's been this weird side benefit where it's forced me to be very intentional, intentional, very intentional about what content I consume, which you wouldn't think that you'd think if I'm having to wade through all of this stuff to find the best of the best, that means I'm absorbing all this stuff. But because I'm looking for the gems, as it were, I am proactively making sure that I don't waste time on stuff that's uh, you know, low signal, high noise. I'm scanning the stuff. I, I, I sort through um, hundreds of different feeds and look at what I think is going to be the most interesting on this topic. And then I sort that down and down again until this, the few, you know, maybe 30, 40 articles, things that I'll read and at a deeper level, maybe 10 of those, 20 of those. And then from that, only the best I give to people. And that, I guess, kind of accidentally forces me to really be thinking when I'm reading and really be thinking about what I'm going to read deeply. So that's been an interesting uh, side effect of that. Becoming a curator for others actually helps you to curate your own information diet. And this is something, by the way, this is free. Uh, Sometimes you guys write to me and say, hey, I want to start a podcast or I want to start YouTube or I want to start a blog or something. One of the best ways to get started right now, if you want to you know, write online or do something online is an email newsletter. It's the lowest barrier for entry. You don't have to set anything up. You can just use some service like review or Substack or something like that. You don't have to have a video camera, nothing. You just write stuff and you start building a list. Uh, It's a really cool way to get started if you want to start publishing stuff online. By the way, you can send me an email if that's something you're interested in. I love uh, helping people get started who are interested in trying to do some sort of ministry type stuff online. You can email me at uh, reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. Okay, so we're talking about how we curate our information diet. I've told you why I think you should curate your information diet. I've told you my strategy and the principles I use for thinking about how to curate what I put into my head. Now, in this last section, I want to talk about some of the tools I use specifically to curate my own information diet. So I'll talk about books, social media, blogs, and newsletters, just briefly on each of those books. How do you curate books? Now, I'm a big advocate of reading books. Why? Well, oftentimes the stuff that's in a book, oftentimes, is of a higher quality than what is on a blog or on the web, simply because it's had to go through a a publishing process. It's had to go through people who said, I think this is actually good and people have edited it and that kind of stuff. So books are a great source of information still, and you should read books, but you shouldn't read bad books. And I've talked to, I did a whole episode on this a while back and I talked about some of these principles, but it's a big investment of time to read a book. So you want to make sure that you're not reading books that are a waste of time or are just full of untruths, right? So what are ways that you can filter the books you're listening to? One is reviews, not just Amazon reviews, but again, that whole trusted aggregator type thing. Ask your pastor if it's a Christian book. Um, ask them, what books do you recommend that I read? What, where would I start if I was interested in theology or X, Y, and Z, right? Look up reviews on people's blogs of books. 
And I think even best of all, it's just a friend letting people tell you, hey, this is a good book. It was helpful to me. You might like it. That'll save you a lot of time. Uh, history is a great filter for good books. Uh, again, we have this bias for new stuff. And so we like to read the new book that came out. Oftentimes the new book is just rehashing stuff that's been said a million times. History is a great filter. Reading the classics, read books that have stood the test of time. That generally means that it's going to be a better book. So that's one of the tools, I guess you'd call the tool, that I use to curate my information diet with books. Now, social media. I am not uh, like against all social media. I, I don't love social media. I think it can be a huge distraction. I think it can be very addicting. Twitter though, man, I like Twitter. I don't like, I don't like any of the other ones, but the, the social media platform that I actually enjoy using is Twitter. I don't like the way they like ban everybody or like their company policies and stuff, but purely from like finding good information, I like it. And I tell people this and a lot of times they're like, uh, Twitter's just full of people screaming at each other in 280 characters or less. And look, I know that it's full of that. But what I like about Twitter is that you don't have to use their algorithm. You can set your home feed to be whatever the latest tweets are of the people that you follow. And that really is amazing to me because that's how all social media used to work is I choose what I want to listen to and what I want to hear. And it actually shows it all to me. But here's the catch. You have to be proactive about who you follow and how you engage in that. And that's what I like about Twitter is I am proactive about that. I only follow people that I'm interested in what they have to say and who are good curators, right? Good aggregators. Twitter is a wonderful platform for this, but you have to be proactive in unfollowing people that are unhelpful or, um, you know, the stuff that they put out is, is instead of edifying, it's discouraging. It's, it's, attacking, you know, I, I tweeted not that long ago. I said, you shouldn't unfollow all internet gossips, which is like half of Twitter, but being proactive about curating that stuff, it can be a very valuable platform. You can mute people, all of that. There's a couple of things that people don't know about with Twitter that, uh, have really helped me in using it as a platform for finding good ideas, high signal, um, curators of good stuff. And one of them is TweetDeck. So there's an interface for Twitter that Twitter has built. I think you just go to tweetdeck.twitter.com. Let me just double check that that's true. It's tweet. Yeah, tweetdeck.twitter.com. And you view Twitter, instead of just this one stream, it's like all of these columns. You do this in a browser, right, on your computer. And you can put anything you want in these columns. So you can have your home feed, but you can also have something that just follows individuals. Um, Or, this is what I love, lists. Twitter has always had this like lists function and I feel like a lot of people don't even use it, but I have a bunch of private lists of people that talk about productivity or people that I really, really like that talk about like theology or Christian stuff. And I keep these, these are separate from, I don't even follow these people in my main feed sometimes, but I'll go into TweetDeck and I'll see what the people that talk about productivity are talking about. What are they recommending? What are the interesting articles that week? What are the videos that they're recommending? They're the best of the best, right? Same thing with theology, things in the different topics I follow. That's an awesome way to interact with Twitter and actually use it for your benefit. And I feel like it's somehow, strangely, the unique outlier in the social media landscape if used properly. Uh, so we've talked about books. We've talked about Twitter Feedly. This is another way I curate my information diet. 
Feedly. What is Feedly? If you don't know what it is, it's an RSS reader. If you don't know what that is, I can't help you. No, I can't help you, and I will. RSS stands for Really Simple Syndication. Back in the old days, like the mid-2000s, uh, when blogs started emerging, they started having what was called an RSS feed, and that was a way for you to syndicate the content of a blog without visiting the website it was on. And so back then, Google had this tool called Google Reader, which is now defunct, sadly, in the Google graveyard. But Google Reader allowed you to, in one place, pick all of the blogs you wanted to follow and follow them. And so you go to this one website and you could see, oh, this person has a new article. This person, you know, Tim Challies has a new article or Zyron God has a new article. And it was all right there. I loved that. They killed it. Feedly was the one I switched to whenever they killed Google Reader. And I've been reading or I've been using Feedly for years now. If you read a bunch of different blogs, a bunch of things you follow, like, you know, you could follow my blog, Redeeming Productivity, on there, but you could also follow Tim Challey's blog or whatever blogs or, or sources of articles, news websites even, have these RSS feeds, and you can follow them with a tool like Feedly, which is free, which is awesome. And so I highly recommend that, and that's actually the, um, the secret sauce to how I make my newsletter, is I have a bazillion feeds in there and every day or a couple times a week I will go through what's in there and I'll star the ones that I think might be interesting and then I'll scan them then I'll read them then the best of the best I'll read even deeper and then about five or six of those I'll give to you guys in the newsletter with my comments on them but I wouldn't be able to do that without Feedly I'd have to visit 100 websites so I highly recommend you something like that and that way you're not letting Facebook decide what articles you should be looking at you've picked in advance these sources and you have a tool that shows you the ones that it that you really might like okay so we've talked about books we've talked about twitter we've talked about feedly or any rss reader get one of those and then i've already mentioned this but newsletters just subscribe to some good newsletters there's lots of good ones out there look around look what's on substack look at people covering different topics it's amazing how niche some of the things people are talking about in newsletters are and you can just get that and they're doing all the heavy lifting for you of finding good things on that topic highly recommend it and if you want a really good newsletter reagan's roundup that one's mine you should follow that newsletter if you like christianity and productivity um, and actually, speaking of Feedly, I just subscribed to Feedly Plus or Feedly Pro. I don't remember what they call it. I subscribe to the paid version of it because it allows you to put in newsletters to it instead of them coming to your inbox. And I like that because I don't want my email cluttered up. So now all of like my information diet stuff, all the blogs I follow or news websites or newsletters are all in one place. So I made a little investment in my information diet. And I guess that's what I'm suggesting you do too, not to get Feedly Plus or whatever it's called, but make an investment. And it doesn't have to be monetary, but I think it's an investment of willpower, an investment of a little bit of time to be intentional about what you're putting into your head, of being aware that how you think is going to change you and who is it that's shaping your thinking is it God and his word and people who are aligned and, and believe his word and share that worldview and want to help you to be shaped to that? Or is it people who do not love the Lord, maybe even hate God, and they're shifting you towards wrong ways of thinking? We need to be careful with this now more than ever because there's so much information. 
So let's be cautious and let's curate our information diets. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you so much for watching if you're on YouTube or listening if you're on the podcast version. Do me a favor. If you're listening to the podcast, could you give this a review that helps other people to find it? So I'm told. And if you're on YouTube, if you can go ahead and subscribe, you'll find this and even more videos from me besides this show. So I'll see you again here next week. But until I do, remember this in whatever you do, do it well and do it all for the glory of God. <laughs>